look at 1 Peter 2, 9. We'll be reading in because the second chapter of 1 Peter. It's a real little book between Hebrews and Revelation. And so we're going to talk about you tonight a little bit. God, God is called us to be a holy people unto him. Uh, used to, uh, growing up, there was a lot of messages on holiness and holy and being sanctified. And tonight I'm going to be teaching on holy and holiness, you know, being set apart unto God, being a vessel ready to be used and to be used of God. Praise God. And, and, and God has never changed his mind. You might look at two people and say, God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't have to repent because he made the wrong decision. And he doesn't make a decision without knowing that it can be done. It can be completed. He knows what he's doing. In, uh, years ago, I was coached on several different teams and and I get the, the teams, especially the younger kids, and they didn't think they could do it. But being a good coach, I knew they could. When you've coached, you know they can. And God's like that. He knows you can do all things through Jesus Christ who's going to strengthen you. Praise God. He knows that you don't have to fail, but he will put you over. He knows that he will make you. Because, you know, we're kind of out of order, but when God spoke order, the whole earth came into form and existence. When God spoke order, the, all the worlds begin to form. Everything started into order. And so when we're talking about holiness as being in a position that God can use you, how do you get there? What is it about? First Peter 2.9, you probably had a chance to get there. It says, but you, but you are a chosen generation or a chosen race. We talk a lot about generations. And I praise God around here, generations don't bother us, right? I found out in the men, the young men, like the old men and the older men, like the young men, the in-betweens, like both of them, you know. It's just a good thing and a good feeling to know that we can relate with each other. And we're one generation. Christ has only one generation and God doesn't have the second generation. We're all sons of God. He didn't have any grandchildren and great-grandchildren. He's not like us. I have grandchildren, but I also have sons, <laughs> a son and a daughter. And you are the sons of God. In other words, there's not that next generation. You are always a first generation through Christ Jesus. He is the sons of God, but he says we are sons of God. He says, so you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know, we think about the priesthood, we think about, man, how holy those guys were, how great they were, how that they could go up, and one of them, they had to go into, into the Holy of Holies once a year, and there was a curtain there, and they tied a rope on his leg or his body someplace, so that if he went in there and he died, they could pull him out because nobody could stand to go in there because they would die. But he had a certain sacrifice and offering, and he could prepare to himself, and he went in there, 
and he come back out because he was holy when he went in there. And he offered there upon the altar uh, the blood of the sacrifice of the lamb there for the sins of the nation. See, God's always demanded holiness, but when God speaks to us, he also makes a way in that spoken word. He does not leave us hopeless. He does not leave us without the ability. He does not leave us without a way. He does not leave us without being prepared. He does not leave us, uh, leave us without being able to do what he's called us to do. I'm just telling you right now who you are. You're a holy nation, a holy nation. We are one people. I was at the conference with all my brothers in Christ. You may have trouble saying some of your brothers' names, but they're your brothers. I sometimes have trouble. But they're my brothers in Christ. And, and we're, one, we're one nation. We're one nation with God. We're one nation that God has made, has called out. We're one nation, one people, one kindred, one tongue. We're all of that. And, and when we stand around the throne of God, when redemption is done, we will be one people there. For God will be the God, the people that he has called out, the chosen, the elect, the ones that he has called forth, and those that have answered that call. He says, uh, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. And so when we're talking about holiness, we want, to, want you to understand that it's not an impossibility, but that's part of that excellency that he's talking about here. The priests were excellent. Not because of their fathers. You know, they've served the Lord with excellent. Uh, in the New Testament, we are called kings and priests unto him. We are people separated unto him. We are people who are made excellent, not because of where we come from, but because we've had an experience with God and we've seen him. And God has touched our life and, 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 and moved in our hearts. It says, of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The light exposes everything. One thing about it, you can put something dingy in the light and pretty soon it starts to brighten up, right? You get in the presence of God, things start changing. Things start making us better. But that's who you are. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a people of God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Praise God. You walk into a place and somebody starts accusing you of being a Christian because the glory of God's in your life. The glory of God is shining through you. You've been around God. You touch God. When Moses went up into the mountain and he talked with God and he got the Ten Commandments, when he come back down, the people had to cover him because he was shining so much. Because the glory of God was upon him in his physical body, the glory of God come upon him. And that's the kind of people God is making us and calling us and, and wanting us to be. And uh, I'm just going to read through some here so you don't have to look them all up. But in Leviticus 19.2, it says, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, Be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, is, am holy. And that can either crush us or make us think that, man, we could never 
get there. But with every word of God comes a re- the total redemption plan. With every word of God comes the power and the key to doing what he's calling there. What is it that makes something holy? Leviticus 20, 26 says, You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from nations to be my own. So one thing that makes a person's holy is God sets them apart. The Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're not running through the same thought patterns, the same way of going through life, the same hopeless situations, the same things that you know, we have hope in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers. We're not being overcome by what comes because we are overcomers because of what God has put in us, what God has made us, what God has put forth in us. And, and, and this is why it says, you be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Uh, when I look at the Word of God, I say, you know, why? How, do, how does that work in my life? And that's a simple statement, but it's so profound. You be holy because I am holy. That means for us to be holy, He is holy, we have to receive and be like He is because we were not a holy people. We were not a dedicated, separated, uh, called unto God people, but we are now because God has called us, God has separated us, and God knows the power that he has put forth in those simple words, be holy for I am holy. That's the whole key. We're something because God is something. We're someone because Jesus was someone. We're the redeemed because we heard the word, believed it, walked in, and, and took on with it, and, and took what God said and believed that the blood of Jesus Christ was able to cleanse us from all sins, was able to make us righteous and holy before God, was able to make us a king and priest unto him. That's why we're holy. It's not us, it's him. And what he does in us. God doesn't do it separate from us, but he does it in us, with us, and and through Jesus Christ, through us, too. See, if I look at myself, I thought I'd be most hopeless in the situation. I can recount all the times I've failed, all the times I've been, uh, you know, in sin and all those things. But that's not why he said, did he not make a way through Jesus Christ to cleanse us from all unrighteousness through his blood? Did Jesus not not only die and, and hang up on a cross, and he bled there from his side and, uh, for our iniquities, and, our, uh, and he was beaten on his back for our, sin, for our stripes on his back for our healing and the crown of thorns for the different things that go on in life, the pressures and cares, everything he took there, and he carried that all the way to the cross. He said he was bruised underneath the weight of the cross as he fell on the ground trying to carry it. He had bruises. He was chastised when they slapped him. Those things he all done to take care of that sin part of our life. But he didn't leave us with just that. There's a reason why we wash the dishes after we've eaten. Because we get ready to eat again, you wouldn't only eat out of the same old dirty dish. It's a reason why God cleanses us. 
There's a reason why if you ask him, God will make your life righteous and holy before him. We, Abraham had the revelation, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. His revelation was by faith. Abraham started off faith, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Jesus wasn't even here, and to bring him his righteousness, now we have the righteousness of Christ in our lives. We're set in the right part. I was thinking about what makes something holy. Is it the shape of it? When they set up the old temple, they had the candlesticks, which is like a, a big stick and had seven, seven different arms going across. Y'all probably seen those, you know, like that with the candles across on their row. It wasn't that shape that was holy, even though God had a particular way he wanted it made. as representing some things. And when that guy was making that lamp stand, it was not holy. He was making it for a holy purpose, but it wasn't holy. When God made the brazen labor, you know, where they had come and, and the, filled it up and all this, and when, he, when the guy was forming the cherubs over the, the, uh, the box, the, the seat there that was the Ark of the Covenant, those things weren't holy until they were dedicated and God touched it and God made them holy. Holiness is not hard to imagine. Holiness is when God touches something. When God touches something, it becomes holy. When God was in the burning bush on the backside of the desert and Moses come by, and he says, take off your shoes, Moses, because you're on holy ground. That ground had been there for many, many years, but it became holy when God was there. When God touches us, he makes us holy. That's what makes something holy. When they went in there and they went to dedicate those, those instruments and all those things, and they begin to make the sacrifices upon the altar, the brazen altar, and they begin to offer that blood of the lamb there and even uh, took it into the most holy place and offered it up on the altar in there, and, and all that happened. Then it says the glory of the Lord came down and began to fill the place. And I'm sure everyone in there was feeling the holiness of God. They were feeling the cleansing power of God in their life. They were feeling just what that promise God had made. Be you holy, for I am holy. They really understood it. Our mind can't understand it, but when we are in there with God, we understand. When we're alone with God, sometimes it may in your, be in your room and you may be in a place where you fall on your face before God and, and it's a holy place because God is visiting our lives. And I like it saying here, Leviticus 19.2 says, Be holy because I, the Lord, is holy. 2026, 20, you are holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I set you apart from other nations to be my own. Leviticus talking about the priests. Regard them as holy because they offer up food for your God. Consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I who make you holy. Just even hearing those words begins to stir your heart. It begins to stir you up to say, God, I want to be holy. 
I want to be a vessel. Those vessels were made and formed by some men. They were fashioned and all this, but they became holy when they were dedicated, set apart, and, and God basically touched those things, and then they became holy. They were gold or brass or whatever they were made from before, but they become holy when God touches it. And God wants a people. He wants us to be separated unto him. God did that in Leviticus. He kept telling them. He kept telling Leviticus 26, 12, I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. God says, I'm going to walk right there with you and visit with you, and you're going to be mine. Isn't that what he did with Adam and Eve when he walked in the garden? He come down and began to walk in the cool of the evening with them. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be such an experience? Well, that's the experience God wants us to have because we have been made a people unto him. We have, God has made us holy unto him. God has separated us unto him. It's an old word called sanctification. That is set apart and dedicated to God's use. You know, once they were there, they were set apart, those those vessels in the old temple were set apart. They were only used for that purpose. They weren't used all the time for that purpose, but when it came time, they were used for that purpose. When God has put upon you and separated unto him and you become a people unto him, unto a holy God and a holy people who have been touched by him, then you're set apart for a purpose to do in the earth what God's wanting to do. See, that was so it's such a holy place that the glory of God come in when they dedicated and made all those things holy unto God and began to offer those things. But the Bible tells us about Jesus. He told uh, the, the ladies that met him on the road, he says, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended into the heavenly places. In the heavenly places, there's an altar, and that's in the holies of holies in heaven, the most holy place in heaven. And there he said, once and for all, I'm going to offer my blood a sacrifice. Because he didn't want it to be tainted. He didn't want it to be impure. He wanted to go there and offer it for our sins once and for all in heaven. See, the blood of Christ is not only in the earth, but it's in heaven testifying for us. To cleanse us, to redeem us, to make us a holy people unto him. A people who God has visited, touched, and made different. So what happened when the, uh, God touched and he became Israel? Totally changed his name. He changed Abraham from Abram to Abraham. You know, Jacob to Israel. God is a God who knows how to change, and he knows the changes he makes are going to make us his people. Going to make us, like he says, we're to be like Christ. We're to be holy with him. And it's always was, be this because I'm this. I've also read about what happens when the rapture takes place. And it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. It says this corruptible flesh is going to put, up in, put on incorruptibility. It's going to be incorruptible anymore. We're going to suddenly put it on. Why? 
because we see him. We will be like him. And every promise that God gives us is for now and for the future. He's talking about now you're to be holy. You're to be separated unto him. And if you do those things and walk in him and walk in his word, you, you start now having those things that, that may even come to pass later when you're having. You're the firstborn. You're the first fruit of those things. In Isaiah 35, 8 through 10, it talks about a highway. Pastors preached on this before. And uh, he says, there's a highway will be there, a roadway, Isaiah 35, 8 through 10. A roadway. And it will be called the highway of holiness. In the old, and, and Isaiah has a lot of prophecies concerning Christ. And Christ is known as the way, one of his names. He's the way, the truth, the life. He's the light of the world, these things. And this is what he's talking about, the way. He is the way. And that way is holiness. And that way is doing what God has always wanted, is making a people holy unto him. So it says here, the unclean will not travel on it. If we could get a glimpse into heaven... You won't find anything unholy there. Everything there is holy. Why? Because God has touched it. Everything there is set apart for him. So this is a way. The unclean won't travel on for him uh, who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. He says you won't accidentally get there. But we're not fools. We're, cha- we're children of God. The Spirit will always lead you to where God's at. And where God is is always holy. It can't be anything else. Because if he touches something, it becomes holy. And so when we're down here praying, God touches, I mean, that's just showing us that God is moving us. He's making us holy, making us like him because he is. No, it says, and no lion will be there. No lion will be there, nor any vicious beast shall go upon them, go upon it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. In Second Peter it says, in first is it first Peter five eight says, the devil goes about how? Like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. He's seeing who he can get. That's why he's saying, but this way that through Jesus Christ, the way that was made, is a way of holiness, and the devil can't come there because he can't be holy. When you get to heaven, this is not going to be no unclean thing there. Everything's going to have been set apart, holy for God. In heaven, And we're to pray, be on earth as it is in heaven. Do you think the Lord knew what he's talking about when he said pray it like that? Do you think he knew that to make people holy, it took being on earth as it is in heaven? 
being like Christ. The word Christian come from those around about that saw one of the early churches. And the way they served God with such fervency and such dedication. They called them Christians because they were Christ-like. And that's what God has always wanted, a people who was Christ-like. A people who walked in love, a people who walked in power, a people who walked in holiness, a people who were separated to God and nothing would get them away from it. Nothing would move them from that, but that's who they are. They were being holy because God is holy. They were being like Christ. And Christ made that way to not only get rid of the sin, but he also, we can receive the robe of righteousness from Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're not old filthy sinners. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are made like him. We've been born again, born of the Spirit. That part is like Christ. It's separated, able to take the things of God into our life and into our hearts and put it into our minds. But in our spirit, man's been born again. It's, that's that part that God made alive. That which was dead was your spirit, man was dead. But when Christ comes, he makes it alive. Jesus met some funerals, but he never went to one. Calls him passing and meeting him, he raised the dead. That's showing us that he is life. That all the power of death could not match the power of life. All the things the devil has cannot match the power that Christ is putting in us. That's why he said, you are more than conquerors. Don't get lied to and think you're nothing. Get the truth and know who you are in Christ. Know what Christ has put in you. Know what he has said to you. Know what he has done. I'll go back to referring again to coaching. It was such a thrill. One year, a couple years later after coaching a young boy's team, some of the boys come to me, coach, coach. I said, yeah, what? I wasn't coaching them then. He said, what you were teaching us two years ago, we're now able to do. And that's the way it is with Christ. When you start taking that in, what was impossible with you now becomes a possibility. What was so hard for you to do now becomes something that has been put in you and, put, and made in you and you have become in Christ. You've become that overcomer. You've become that one who, who's coming out on top. You've become that one that when you meet Christ in the air, you're like him because you're being what God said, be you holy for I am holy. God's saying, not only do I want you to, to come and live with me, I want you to be like me. I want you to have that same kind of things in you that's in me. The Old Testament tried to get it from the outside, but it didn't work. Christ went to work on the inside. Not just on the inside, but in your spirit, man. He began to bring life into your spirit. Because once your spirit gets 
gets filled and things in, your body and your mind starts to obey and line up. I'll give you a little example. The disciples went with Christ, three of them. And Christ said, you pray, and he went over there and prayed, right? He comes back, what were they doing? Sleeping. He said, wake up. You guys were praying, and he went back over there and prayed. Come back, they were sleeping. Three times it happened, you know, they were still sleeping. And, and that was showing me the weakness of the flesh. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we got to learn to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. We need to learn to obey the things of the spirit, and therefore we become great overcomers because we're obeying and we're walking above that in the flesh. The same guys on the day of Pentecost and after that, they didn't have any trouble when they threw them in prison. They were singing at midnight and still going. Preached a revival after that. You know, and after Paul had preached for hours and hours and hours, and the one guy fell off and died, and they raised him up from the dead and went back to preaching again. I mean, Jesus took the flesh part whenever he preached to that one crowd and they had the working of the feeding the 3,000 and the 4,000 and the 5,000. He preached three days and then fed them. I mean, people were so hearing that word of God that they lost track of the physical part. I don't know about you, but not every time you go three days up in the mountains where there's no store to buy anything anyway. He was off. I don't even know how they found him up there. But people come from all over. They believe that the Sermon on the Mount, there was eighty to 100,000 people there. How would you like to say, well, there are... There's someone over there in the Rocky Mountains, go over there and hear him preach. How would you like to walk over there and find him? You know, there was no signs. There wasn't anybody, anybody saying, go this way, that's where Jesus is at. You know, it was, people began to find him where he was at. And, and in that, after three days, then he fed them. But their spirit man was being fed all the time as the word of God went into them. They were getting strong. They were getting ready. Disciples, as they walked with Christ, they were getting strong, but without the Spirit really empowering them as it did on the day of Pentecost, they backed off from being with Jesus when he was killed. But then they became the ones who openly proclaimed the Gospels and turned the world upside down. The change happened when the Spirit began to charge their desires. They began to charge the things that God had put in them. And the Word of God that was in them became charged by the Spirit. Man, they become holy unto God. They become separated. Some had visions and dreams. Some uh, preached the Gospels. Uh, even Philip was translated from one place to another place instantly. Things began to happen because they were no longer walking according to the flesh. They were walking according to the Spirit. See, God doesn't have to repent or change His mind. He's always wanted the holy people. It's through Christ and through God touching our life and through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming into our heart. We can be a holy people unto God, set apart unto Him. And, and the devil as a roaring lion doesn't walk there, it says. 
And the ransom of the Lord will return with a joyful shouting to Zion and with everlasting joy upon their head. They'll be filled with gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You know, I'm of the crowd that believe Christians should be excited and, and joyful and walking in the things of God because we are those that have the victory. We are those that are overcomers. The early church was so much so except for being for persecution where they were killed or whatever, they were joyful. I mean, they were joyful in persecution too and being killed. But, they, but nothing else really bothered them because they knew they were overcomers. Christ said we would suffer persecution for his name's sake. That is a given, but that's not an uh, everyday thing that happens. But when it comes, we will overcome with it. And Isaiah 6, 1 uh, through 5 says, In the king of in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. It's an old song that says, I saw the Lord. Yeah. He's high and lifted up. Oh, when we begin to look at that, when we begin to think about, there he is. He is high and lifted up. It's like, it's something we can't really touch, but really, when we walk in the Spirit and walk in the things of God, we're right there with him. Technically, I'm not here. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Technically, I'm not here. This body is, but I'm seated in Christ. I'm in Christ. And where's my face? I'm on the right hand of the Father, seated in Christ presently. And that's the way the promises of God work. We're with Him. We're by Him. We're through Him. We're everything that God has, we're being with Him. We're in, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're right there where God's favor is and right there where He can touch us. Right there in His presence. Everything in the presence of God is holy. So be you holy, for He is holy. In that deal, he's, He began to train of the Lord, fill the temple. The servants stood above him having six wings. And if you look in the book of Revelation, it's the same way. They covered their face. Anyway, they're flying around the thrones. It says, And the foundations of the throne trembled, and thresholds trembled at the voice of him who was called out while the temple was filled with smoke. <coughs> then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips and live among the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of lords. And the foundation of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke and said, oh, the same, I had the same one again. But anyway, he says that the angel come down and he took a coal from off the altar. And what did he do with it? He touched him. This man was in, in this vision, Isaiah, he said, I see the Lord, and, I, and, he, and in his heart, no doubt, he had a desire to be right there with him. But he said, but I'm unclean. But then God took, that, that, that angel of God took that coal and put on his lips and cleansed him. See, with every word of God comes the power, the ability to be what God says we're going to be. It is greater than your thought that you can't be. It's greater than that pool of sin nature in your life. For upon the time that man was touched, he, he says uh, it cleansed him. It made him whole. He didn't touch the whole thing. He just touched the lips. 
But as Jesus said when he washed the feet, if, if I wash your feet, the rest of you are clean. Jesus said, if I touch you some way, the rest of you is clean. God's in the business of making us clean and making us holy unto him, separating us unto him for his use. In the book of Revelations, it talks about the angels flying around the throne and the four, and 20, uh, the four uh, beasts there, and they begin to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And that's what they do. They've been doing and will do forever. Fly around, because when you're in that close in the presence of God, that may be all you can say, holy. Because they're sitting there beholding the holy God. And when they're there with him, suddenly they feel the same thing. They become like him. They have that holy because they've been set apart unto him, and that's what they do. And it says when we, as a redeemed, stand before the Lord and we'll cast our, our crowns and we'll, we'll begin to cry out, you know, unto him glory and honor and praise because to see how holy he is, how worthy he is of all these things. And we're the redeemed. The crowns that we have achieved will be nothing to us. We'll throw them at his feet because he's even more worthy. But I love the redeemed that had the crowns. That's those who have done something with God's provision in their life, with God's touch in their life. They were no longer the same person. They were no longer their own, but they had been bought with a price. They were no longer the, the same people who had been uh, murderers and like Paul. They no longer those who had been thieves. No longer, because in heaven there's no thieves. They paved the street with gold, and it's going to be there from now on. Nobody's going to take it. I've seen really men who, even this weekend, you, I had some money and, and it dropped out of my pocket and one man picked it up. And I heard two other men talking about something else. They said, you know, they were someplace and they thought about taking it, but they said, no, that's, that's not right. They were, you know, new, new believers. And I thought, well, praise God. You know, they're making the decisions to follow Christ. They're not going to take something that's not theirs. You know, when you can walk down the streets of heaven, there won't be anybody there who's going to break in or anybody there that's going to rob you or mug you or whatever. It's not going to happen because God doesn't have that kind of person there because only the holy, the redeemed can be there. Only those that see Christ and they're like him, only those that rise up to him, only those that have received Christ into his life can be there and walk after him. It's an exciting thing to think about how holy God is and to talk about it, how holy he is. It, it, uh, we'll look at, um, let's see which one I want to do. There, there is the way, the, well, Revelation 4, 8, what I was talking about earlier, the Four beasts, each of them had six wings, and they were full of eyes within. And says, and they don't rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Those have been things that have inspired my life when I the, heard them talk about uh, the, that in Isaiah where it said, I see the Lord. And I really believe that is what we need to look at. I 
see the Lord. He is high and lifted up. When a believer sees the Lord, there comes great desire to be there with him. When the sinner and unbeliever see the Lord, they turn their face. They hide. When the redeemed see the Lord, they want to be there with him. But when the unbeliever, they turn and hide, they run from him. They, they become overwhelmed by the presence of God. It becomes too much for them to handle. They can't do anything with it. It's like, oh, that's too holy. Well, when we get in the presence of God, we realize he is too holy, but we realize we're also made holy by being there with him. And, 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 and that's what the, pro, uh, the uh, prophet Isaiah said whenever he was touched on those lips. He said, I was that unclean person, but now I've been made clean. I was that unredeemed, but now I'm made redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I was the one who was walking in fear. I was the one who had all these things. And like the beast, uh, they begin to rise because that's where they've been. They step. The angels flying around the cherubs and going around the throne of God. And then all the redeemed, is, and there's four and 20 elders. All of them are there, and they're saying, holy is God. And I thought, when you're reduced to a few words, that means you're really awestruck. Whenever you don't have a lot of words to describe something, but when they start to describe God, all that comes out is holy. And the next one answer, holy. <laughs> and the next one answer, holy. All they could get out is that, holy, holy. It's the Lord. In Second Chronicles 5.14 says, so the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud and the glory of God, and he filled the house of God. When you get along with God and you begin to pray and the glory of God begins to come in to your place, into your room or wherever, and God begins to visit you and he touches your life, it's like you just fall on your face and say, God, you know, you're just saying like the, they were holy, Lord, God, Lord. You know, you just begin to cry out to him because you feel awed by his presence. And in finishing tonight, if you want to turn to Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14. And this is in the New Testament, so it gives us some other things. We're looking a lot at the Old Testament, but we've seen in Peter where Peter was talking about we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. A people for God's own possession, proclaim his excellence and calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then in Hebrews 12, 14, he says, follow peace with all men and holiness. Holiness is a way. It's a way we live, the way we walk, the way we go after God. It's not a look. I grew up where it was a look. They used to talk about having, you know, the buns up and they're pulled so tight and all that kind of thing. And 
this and that, and their dress is all the way down. No, holiness starts in the heart. It starts in the relationship. It starts in your spirit, man. When God, when God has visited your life and touched you, then you are a vessel that God has called and set apart and put an anointing on and put a, a purpose on. See, we're not just vessels. We're vessels with purpose. We're people of purpose that God has. We are a royal priesthood. We're made to serve God. We're made to be the ones who call out to God and ask and pray and, and seek God and, and, and seek His presence, His follow, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And as I begin, I'm going to end. Be you holy. The answer is, God said, because I am holy. He's speaking to each one of us tonight. You be like me. But you cry out, I can't. But God cries back, yes, listen to what I'm saying. He says, he's saying, I have made a way for you to be holy. He's saying, I've made a way to redeem you from your sins. He says, not only that, but cleanse you from unrighteousness. Sin is what you have done. Unrighteousness evolves in what you thought. See, he didn't just take care of the sin. He took, he's going to take care of that. He wants to address that unrighteousness. That which always leads us towards sin. That which always has in us the desire to sin. He says, I'm going to cleanse you from unrighteousness. He says, because I'm going to make a people just like I am that's holy. That their purposes are holy. That they're redeemed not only by the blood, but they're redeemed by the presence and the touch of God in their life. All the disciples walked with Christ, and they wanted to be that holy people. But I believe when the Holy Spirit filled them, they became a holy people. Because their abiding in them was the Spirit of God. The Spirit that was holy was in their hearts, guiding them from the inside. Saying, this is the way. This is the way to walk in it. This is the way. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. Go and pray. Temptation comes. He says, resist sin. Overcome it. You know, you'll be able to go through something, and God says, here's my word. This is what my word has said. Stand on it. Believe what I said. And when you begin to walk on those things, you begin to walk in faith. You begin to go down that way of holiness that was said in the Old Testament where the lion doesn't go, where the devil can't go, where he can't rule with fear because you're walking, believing, and having faith in God. Nothing by any means will separate you from that love that's in Christ Jesus because you're tied to God. You've become one with him, and it says, Be you holy because I am holy. You are taking that literally. I am walking with Christ. I am being redeemed with everything that Christ has done, and everything in heaven and in earth is now, uh, at, at, uh, through the Holy Spirit, put at my uh, disposal to be used to make sure I'm more than a conqueror, more than able to overcome, more than... Uh, one that has walked uh, in the natural, but one who's walking now with Christ. We're walking full of the Holy Spirit. We're walking that road of holiness, walking that way, set apart, dedicated, touched by God, 
made to be children of God. Amen. Stand with me. Hallelujah. If you'll just lift your hands, we're going to sing it. If you're the Joshua, lead us in a song, begin to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Say, God, I want to be holy because you're holy. Lord, I want to be filled with your holiness, God. Hallelujah. Lord, your word said, be holy for I am holy. And God, there has to be that possibility, God. Tonight, God, we come before your throne, God. Say, fill us, Lord. Make us like you, Lord. Let us see Christ in our life, God. Let us be seated in your heavenly throne, God. Right in Christ Jesus, Lord. Right before your throne, God. Right in your presence. 